I want more of you in my year this year. Just tell them. I want more of you, God, in my heart, my mind, my soul, my relationships, my path, my career, my ministry, my family. Just tell them. I want more of you, God. Just tell them. I want more of you. I'm calling upon you. Do a great work, God, in my life this year that I cannot do by myself. I want more of God. Give Him that invitation. More, Lord. Tell Him to say, more, Lord. Help me. Help me so my life, my marriage, my family, my words, actions, and deeds will glorify You. Tell him right now, say, Lord, I need a fresh outpouring of your spirit on my life, on my soul. Just ask him for it, family of God. Come on, let's come to our God together. He's beyond us, but he's with us. I need God, a fresh outpouring of your spirit on me. Lord, we need a fresh outpouring of your spirit on us, the spiritual community gathering place church calls upon the God of heaven and earth pour out your spirit every time we gather Sunday mornings connect groups youth ministries our outreaches your presence Father we expect it we want it we need it pour it out pour it out Say that to him. Say, pour it out, Lord. Say it to him. Come on. Pour it out, God. Pour it out, God. We're not playing around this year, Lord. We're not playing patty cake. We're calling upon the God of heaven and earth to do God's stuff this year. We know you love to do it. We are looking forward to seeing it. So we're calling upon you as a congregation this year, Lord, to do miracles in our midst. This morning, um, I want to break it up a little bit. You can grab a seat right where you are. I want to, again, uh, apologize for it being a little chilly in here this morning. I did talk to the head of facilities of the entire PUSD district, and uh, he apologized for last week. He said on their vacation, you know, they forgot about us, I guess, but... And then the lights are out because they have asbestos problems. And then we have to open the doors to get some more light in here. It's just a mess. But guess what? Jesus is here. So you just got to snuggle a little bit and just say, I will meet with Jesus wherever Jesus is. It's better than the forest I met him with in Russia in the underground church. I want to begin this year with you together in faith. And I'm going to open a brand new series called Faith in just a few. But I want to begin by receiving communion together and bringing our offering to the Lord together. But I want to do it in faith. 
So, I want to do a little bit of teaching, a little mini teaching here up front to provoke your faith, increase your faith. And then we're going to receive communion by faith and give it offerings by faith. And it's going to be different. You guys are catching this, right? You're recording this right here now? Great. Because I want this recorded online. Uh, hey, Bella, my uh, glasses are in the right pocket of my coat. You can throw those to your old man. And if she's throwing me my glasses, you can reach your hands toward me and pray for my eyes to be completely healed that I don't need reading glasses anymore. I'm bleeding for everything this year. That's pretty good, huh? All right, I want to share with you this morning as a pre-teaching to our communion and offering an amazing passage of Scripture. It's the first communion and the first, first tithe in the Bible. Do you know that? You can find that? Genesis chapter 14. I want to set this up with you. For you. And then in a moment, I'm going to have you come down this middle aisle, receive communion, go back to your seats. We're going to receive communion. Then we're going to get our, our offering to the Lord together today. But in this scenario, now this is way before the law, way before Moses brought the law of tithing or giving offerings to God. This is way before that. This is our father of faith. His name was Abram at this point. And he is developing a relationship, a covenant relationship with the God of heaven and earth. The God of heaven and earth came to Abram one day and said, you're worshiping the moon. You're a moon worshiper. I'm inviting you to to worship the God who created the moon and everything else. And Abraham said, sounds great. So they're developing this relationship. And when God partners with you in life, you can accomplish anything. There's absolutely nothing impossible to the man or woman, boy or girl who walks with the living God. And Abraham's learning this. Abraham at this point, his name was Abram, not Abraham yet. H is the breath of God. That's the name of God. When Abraham and God finally came to a full covenant, God put H into Abraham's name and H into Sarah's name. So Sarah became Sarah and Abram became Abraham. Meaning covenant. Like when a woman and man and woman get married and they merge their names. It's a covenant. Abraham at this point, what happened was four kings came after five and they had battled and the four kings beat the five. The problem is... Uh, the four kings took over Sodom, which happened to be uh, Abraham's nephew. Lot lived in Sodom, and they took Abraham's nephew. Now, that was the biggest mistake they made. And someone came and told Abram, your nephew's been taken captive. So Abram takes 318 servants from his own household. They had been born in his household. He was a very wealthy man who was a rancher. 318 men tr- born in his own home. He takes them out. And whoops up on four kings. How is that even possible? You tell me, how is that possible? Not complicated, is it? Not complicated. God. And so after he whoops up on four kings and their armies with 318 servants born in his own household, that could be you and your family, you and your company, you and your ministry teams. God can save by many or by few. He takes all the spoils, and now look what happens. This is an amazing encounter with Christ in the Old Testament. In verse 18 of chapter 14, Genesis 14, 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now, there was no king of Salem. Archaeologically, historically, you can't find a king of Salem. This is called a Christophany. It is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Because Jesus is forever. 
He is God in the flesh. He's eternal. And you can see this because in the book of Hebrews, they talk about Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the high priest. And how God's priest of the Levitical lineage, the Levites, actually worshipped Melchizedek. And there's Abram now connecting with the king of Salem. And look what the king of Salem does. The king of peace is the name of the king of Salem. Brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest of God most high. Here's Jesus in the Old Testament coming out to the first man of faith. Abram, the father of faith. Not the law. Faith. Our series is opening today on faith. Kind of already opening it. And Jesus, the first thing he does is he breaks bread and has communion with his first man of faith. This is about intimacy and relationship. And he says that Jesus, or Melchizedek, is the priest of the Most High God. Do you know what the name Most High means? It means my king is legit. Most High God is my king is righteous, my king is legitimate. Is literally the translation. My king is legit. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And Melchizedek blessed Abram and said... Blessed be Abram. And I say to you this morning, blessed be you as the people of God. Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So in this communion, Christ blesses Abraham and blesses God. He's the priest. The mediator between heaven and earth. Jesus is the ladder. We don't need to build a stairway to heaven. Jesus is the stairway to heaven. And heaven and earth comes to our lives. Heaven on earth comes to our lives through Christ. And here we see it. So when we come down to receive communion today, you're receiving the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an encounter with the living Christ, the priest of God Most High. He's the only priest we need. And look at Abraham's response. Now remember, this is faith. This is intimacy. This is relationship. This is worship. What does Abraham automatically do? And he gave a tenth of all. See, tithing, giving, our first fruits offering isn't legalism. And it's not about me or the church wanting your money. That's just ridiculous. This is about my job as your pastor is to help you walk with God and see God break into your life. So we got to see the patterns within Scripture of how these great men and women walked with God. And you see the first thing he did. Nobody told Abraham to do this. It was just a spontaneous response to God. I remember one time I said to God when I was a businessman here in San Diego, I said, God, you've been so good to me. How can I ever thank you? You know what he said to me? That's why I gave you the tithe. I gave you something to give back to me worship and of course we know all the promises around the tithe but look at what happens next now the king of Sodom who was so thankful to Abram for delivering him and the king of Sodom said to Abram give me the persons you know all my people because the king without a people is a king without a country give me the persons and you keep all the goods for yourself but Abram look at this faith family of God but Abram said to the king of Sodom I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. 
Will you raise your hand to God this year? Not to what your hand can produce, but raise your hand to God this year and have that kind of faith that you can say like Abraham, it was all this wealth. All this wealth was just, he just won it in victory. But he says, I've raised my hand to the God of heaven and earth. That I will take nothing from, an, in, from a thread to a sandal to stand strap. And that I may not take anything that is yours. Lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Except only what the young men have eaten. And the portion of the men who went with me. And Ernestgal and Mamre. Let them take their portion. He gave it all back. Say, I don't need your wealth. My God will take care of me. Can you say that today? I want you to be able to say that. I want to see your faith and my faith increase all year long until we can say this with deep conviction and unbridled faith. Our God will take care of us. And look at God's response. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord, after these things, you see, after Abraham stepped out in faith and gave his offering to the Lord. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Literally translated, your reward is going to be very great. Let's begin this year, family of God, in faith and our living God who is supernatural beyond all earthly resources and see that this is in the context of victory. You are going to face battles this year and you need the God, the Most High God, to fight your battles with you so you can whoop up on four kings and their armies with 318 household servants. And as you and God win victories this year, and He blesses you as the priest God Most High, Jesus, and as you give your offers to the Lord in faith, saying, my God will provide, you're going to see God move in your life this year, maybe like you've never seen before. So let's all stand this morning. I'm going to invite you to come down the center aisle and grab your elements and then go back to your seat. And then we're going to receive communion together. Then we are going to give our offering to the Lord together, just like Abraham did. We're going to follow this pattern. And then we're going to give an offering declaration, one voice, one heart, one faith to our one God. As you come down, say, God, I want you to fight my battles with me this year. Jesus is connecting you and the Most High God as you come and take his bread and the juice. So take it. Come down this way. Go out this way. Go back to your seats. We're going to all receive communion together. But come down and receive it by faith. I want you to dial down and dial in right into the center of your heart, the center of your being. Just connect with Christ right now. And just say, Jesus, you are my high priest. You are the priest of the most high God. And I'm here on the earth. And I will face battles this year, but... I am starting my year with you, and I will fear no foe. You, Jesus, connect me, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Let's lift his body together, and let's eat the body of Christ together.
body is for our healing of our physical bodies, our human relationships, our lives. He is the healer. Let's lift the Jews together, representing the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, guilt, and shame. Causes demons to tremble and to flee. Let's begin this year together with the blood of Christ. Let's drink. We just welcome your presence, Jesus, in this place and into our lives. And now, like Abram, let's uh, prepare our offerings, and I'm going to call the ushers down. And we have an offering declaration that we like to say together as a congregation one voice, one faith to our one God of heaven and earth. I want to encourage you. If you have been one that has been fearful and doubtful and you have not been giving your first 10% of what you make to the Lord. And listen, I started doing this when I was so broke I couldn't pay attention. I was a businessman here in San Diego and I was flat broke and we were going bankrupt. And I came to church and I heard about tithing and I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. But I believed it when I heard it taught. And I didn't have any money. Maybe you don't have any money today. Maybe you're just so broke that you just feel bad about not even being able to participate in such a thing. I didn't either. And this is what I said to the Lord. I said, God, I don't have any money. But the next dollar I get, you get my first dime. So I made a covenant in my heart. It's about faith. And I said in my heart, I promise you I will begin doing this. In the next two weeks, I made more sales than the previous two months combined. And by the end of the year, I was the top salesman in the nation. It had nothing to do with my natural skill set. It had everything to do with God's ability, not mine. But you've got to cross the line of fear and doubt and unbelief and cynicism, and you've got to become a man and woman of faith. And now's the moment. So draw a line of the spiritual sand this morning, the first Sunday of the year, and say, I am going to live by faith this year, not by fear. And you're going to give today. And if you don't have anything to give, make the decision in your heart right now saying, God, between you and me, you know I just made the decision in my heart. And you can give online on our website. You can give by texting 84321. You can give by giving a check in the basket right now. But before we give, I want us all stand, and we're going to make this faith declaration together to the God most high of heaven and earth. He's watching us. He's listening to us right now in this place. We're his people, and we're going to make this declaration. And heaven is agreeing with us as we agree with heaven. And then we're going to give our offering and then move on. This is the word of the Lord to us. We're not making up this declaration. This is what God has said to us. Let's read this out loud together. I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% of your income into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. I will also stop the devourer from destroying your crops and keeping your vineyards from producing. Everyone of every nation will talk about how I have blessed you and about your wonderful land. I, the Lord all-powerful, have spoke. Now that's God's word to us. Now here's our word back to God. Let's, Let's make this declaration together out loud. Thank you, Lord. That is, we joyfully and willingly give you our offerings this year. You will meet all of our financial needs, so we have more than enough 
to give to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. For 2019, we are believing for heaven opened and earth invaded, storehouses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, grace, favor and divine manifestations, anointings and callings, positions and raises, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every nation, saved and set free through kingdom demonstration. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. So be it. Now, the last thing I want to say is that we are today beginning a 21-day fast. Tonight being eat dinner, and then we kick it in. And you can participate in this fast any way that you want. It's a Daniel fast. You can miss a meal a day. You can miss a couple meals. You can eat certain foods, uh, cut out certain foods, remove certain distractions that take up your time and attention rather than focusing on God and praying to Him during those times. In your bulletin is a fasting tips document that I wrote and put in your bulletin for you. There's also extra ones out on the table. We have a team in India right now. Uh, Stephanie and Ron. I just, I, I, just something I feel is uh, Carolyn. She's going, we, we've been going through this uh, series, the Big Ask um, series. And um, Carolyn's going to share a testimony about how she, how she applied that message. Good morning, everyone. Um, well, as some of you know, can you hear me okay? I don't want to blast your eardrums. Um, so as some of you know, I have had significant problems with my current job. Um, I, back in November 2017, um, I decided that I really needed a new job, and I started um, actively looking and applying all the time, and um, I thought, I have a college degree, this is going to be fine, I'm going to grab a job. It was not fine. Um, I had a really hard time. I applied for over 100 jobs last year. I would um, go to multiple interviews three, four times, and then something would always come up. Everything would fall through, and I really felt like I was on a roller coaster and just really doubting my capabilities and honestly doubting God a little bit, you know, feeling a little abandoned. And um, so it just kind of kept dealing with it, pressing through. And um, when the big ask series started, Kobe and I kind of just looked at each other like, this is for me. This is not a coincidence. Um, And I felt that day I really uh, claimed my victory and God's going to do something for me. Um, If anyone's looked for a job for over 14 months, it's very exhausting. Um, So I felt my job, um, I just felt peace about it. I claimed my victory and I really just felt my prayer life kind of changing a little bit, praying with confidence and praying with um, peace, knowing that God was going to take care of me. I didn't know how, didn't know when. And a couple weeks after the series started, I got a call back from a company that I had interviewed for um, back in August. And they called me in. I met with all the executives. um, And within two hours, I got a job offer. So I want to, I start tomorrow. I start tomorrow. So um, I want to encourage you that whatever you are dealing with, whether it's a five-day trial, a five-year trial, um, sickness, mental health, family problems, infertility, whatever you are dealing with, all we have to do is ask and have faith, and God will carry you through. I absolutely promise. And guys, just to let you know, keep her in prayer because six months ago she has agreed to marry me. 
So please, she needs all the prayers that she can get. Uh, youth, you guys are released. Middle school and high school. We have a special message for you guys today. So you guys are released. So the middle, middle school and high school are joining us on this 21-day fast, aren't they? They are joining us on this 21-day fast. We're about to break it down to them out in uh, Sunday school. Awesome. Go get them, Kobe. Woo! Amen. So that was an interview she had four months earlier. And the Lord spoke to us in December a prophetic word, the big ask. And he was saying to us, ask me for big things that I'm a big God. That was just in December. And so she began asking for that job. And that interview was four months old. And they called her and she had the job like that. We began this series on faith just a little early. My ear was to the track. We got it in December. And we're going to continue it this morning. This faith series that we're launching right now is not just a series that I came up with. It really is what the Lord wants us to do. In December, I went on a 21-day fast because I was just desperate to see God move in my life and in your life, and I didn't want to wait until January. And so I'm going to be fasting with you again now in January. It's going to be a little modified. If you see me eating lunch somewhere in town, they say, oh, what a hypocrite. I thought he was going to fast. I fasted in December, and I'm still recovering I'm going to fast with you. It's just going to be a little modified now in January. But during that 21-day fast, I asked the Lord, what is your word for 2019? And he simply said one word, faith. Then my sister sent me an email from a uh, prophetic ministry she follows. Prophecy meaning when God is given a now word, God is speaking spontaneously into the earth through his spirit. And she sent it to me because she heard what I had said. And she said, listen to what I received from this a prophet, quote, faith is going to take a greater place in the lives of my people in 2019. My people will see an increase of faith blossom within them in 2019. Listen to this. 2019 is the year to ask. It's the year of Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Then a friend of mine who is a global leader in the area of missions He was hosting, he sent me a link, a 90-minute video of him facilitating a uh, conversation with five of the greatest, I call them faith monsters in the kingdom of God. Rick Warren, who has a 25,000-member church up in Saddleback and has done stuff all over the globe for the last 40 years. Um, He was on stage. He was hosting it. And um, the... uh, uh, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, who has trained thousands and thousands of youth all over the world for 60 years. He was on stage. And there was three or four others on stage. And my friend Dan was facilitating this. And he said in the video, he said, I was praying to the Lord what he wanted the theme of this conference to be. And the Lord very clearly said to me, 2019 is the year of faith. And so what he did was he simply facilitated them telling their stories of faith and how God had used them in mighty ways over the last 50 or 60 years. And then Gary, last week, he popped off without my permission early. No, he heard from the Holy Spirit and he came up here and he said, the Lord is saying to us that 2019 is going to be the year of faith. And then he shared a word from a friend of his uh, who said that he was in prayer And he saw an image of a guy standing, or of a lake, and the 
and the, the sun gl- glimmering off the lake and God said that 2019 is the year of faith. And I had just, uh, Mike Williams and I, our media guy, we just came up with the image that you're looking at right there. Right, and it was before Gary came up and said that my friend saw this image of a lake and God said it's the year of faith and to walk on water. God is speaking to you right now. He wants you to live by faith this year. Not hype, not presumption, true, genuine, biblical faith. So, I want to teach today on what is faith. I'll tell you what faith is not. Faith is not living by sight. If you can see it, you don't need faith. If you can get it, you don't need faith. That is why the Bible says this. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Will you say that out loud with me today? We walk by faith, not by sight. Say it again. We walk by faith, not by sight. This is going to be our clarion call all year long. Will you say it with me again? We walk by faith, not by sight. Did you know that actually faith is not blind? You cannot find the phrase blind faith anywhere in the Bible. Faith is not blind. Faith sees. It just sees something that cannot be seen with the natural eye. Give you an example. In the Old Testament, this prophet and his servant were standing there, and all these chariots were up on the mountainside of the Syrian army about to come and kidnap them. And the servant said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the prophet said, don't worry about it, son. There's more of us than there are of them. And the servant, he could count. He said, one, two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He goes all the way around. He's looking in the natural. He's looking at what his natural eyes can see. Do you know that you have two sets of eyes? One is the natural sight. The other is spiritual sight, and it's real. It's not make-believe. It sees into a realm that the natural eyes cannot see into. And the prophet says to the servant, God, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, watch this. All of a sudden, the servant's eyes were opened, and he, had, he was given in the moment the gift of discerning of spirits, meaning you can see into the unseen realm, which, by the way, was here before the seen realm was. You see this right here, this, this, this scene realm, you can feel it, you can taste it, you can smell it, you can hear it. Our scientific materialistic mindset robs us of the supernatural. Now, people in Africa, people in China, people in Russia, people in any places I've gone, they don't get robbed like we do. And our scientific, methodological, materialistic Western culture, we are so confined and limited because we think science and our intellect and our rationalization and our logic is the apex and the epitome and, and fullness of wisdom. And anything that we talk about that's beyond that is silliness. But not according to Christ. Not according to the Apostle Paul who prays this prayer for the Ephesians church. To the church. 
I keep asking the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. In other words, you can't know it unless your eyes are opened. The hope to which He has called you to. When God opens up your and my spiritual sight, it's like he flips a switch on the inside. Like, oh, I believe. You see it. And I don't mean like a video across the screen of your mind, which though he can do that, he gives visions and dreams and that kind of thing. But I'm just talking about on the inside, all of a sudden you just believe something you weren't believing a few seconds ago. It's faith. God does that. We're going to talk about how it comes. Jesus said it this way. Therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus, our leader, our savior, our God, our mentor. This is his teaching right here. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, When? When you pray, believe. Not hope for, believe. You receive them. When? When you're praying. Before you see them with a natural eye. You believe you receive them and you will have them. See, this click that takes place, this this flip, the switch that gets flipped on the inside of you is tangible. You know when you've moved from, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe, I believe it. There, there's a difference. You, you cross a line on the inside of yourself. You see, at one point you're praying to believe, but then it happens. And then you're praying because you believe. And it doesn't matter how long it takes, you've already, you already have it. You know you have it. And the people around you think you're silly. Think about Noah. He saw the flood before he started building the boat. 110 years he's building a boat by faith. Abraham. He saw those four kings and their armies defeated before he ever took his 318 servants into battle. Moses saw his people delivered from Egypt before he took his first step toward Pharaoh's palace. David saw Goliath killed in that valley before he ever took his first step down into that valley. They were walking by faith. Look at the definition of faith from the Bible. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed. That's pretty emphatic, isn't it? The title deed. If you were to pay a home off in cash, you get the title deed before you ever step through the front door of the house. You could have that deed in your hand and say, I have a house, I have a house. People say, well, where is it? Right here. I have the title deed, but where's the actual physical house? Well, we're going to go to it, but right now it's already mine. I have the title deed. It's right here. That's what faith is. Faith has it before you enter it, before you see it, before you can touch it or smell it. 
Faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed, which we will look at next week when we look at faith and hope. And the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of the reality. Now watch this phrase. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That's scripture. Faith is scientific in the unseen realm. It's solid. It's tangible. It's real. It's a force that moves mountains. So how do we get faith? How do we get this kind of faith? I love this passage. Romans 10, 17. Faith. Will you say this out loud with me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing God's voice. This is why it is absolutely critical. If you want to move mountains, walk on water, you want to see things happen in your life that cannot be humanly, that is not humanly possible this year, you have got to saturate yourself with the voice of God. Because that's where faith comes from. That's why we're fasting. Setting aside food. Setting aside entertainment. Setting aside distractions so we can pray and read the word of God and memorize scripture and saturate ourselves with the voice of God. Giving ourselves time in prayer so God can speak. And I'm telling you, the faith you need is inside, resident within, The seed of God's voice. That's where faith comes from. It's not something you conjure up. It's not something you will. It is a supernatural force resident within the word of God. And you plant it in your heart and then eventually it goes. And that seed opens up and this supernatural faith begins to open up in your heart. And you begin to believe with a God kind of faith. Are you catching this? I want you to see this scripture, Matthew 17, 14 through 21. This is such a critical scripture. I was in a movie theater once, and I was watching this movie about somebody who was crippled. Uh, Let's take that off the screen for a second. I was in a movie theater. I was in my mid-20s, and uh, I saw this movie where this guy was uh, paraplegic. Um, He had, like, epilepsy, and he was in a wheelchair, and... It was, it was just so painful to see him in that condition. And they thought they had found a cure for him. And then the cure worked for a little while. And then it reverted. And he went back to his normal condition. And then the movie was over. Horrible. I sat in the back of the movie theater by myself. And I was weeping. And these people were walking out of the movie theater, past my seat, seeing me literally shaking and convulsed. You know that kind of crane? That kind of praying? I'm sure you've done it before. Where your body is literally heaving and you're crying. I was in such grief, and my grief was God. The body of Christ is to be walking in the same power that Jesus walked in. We're supposed to have the answer to these impossible situations. Where's your power? I was weeping over grief of people in that condition and weeping over, weeping over grief that the church, we, are not walking in this kind. I know you feel the same way. 
I know you feel that same frustration when you see somebody who's hurting and suffering and sick and you want to lay hands on them and see them healed. I know you feel that because God lives in you and he's a God of compassion. But compassion without power is just frustration. And so I went home and I was a single guy and I was about 24 and I was sitting on my couch in my one-bedroom apartment and I was so despondent. I was like, God, how do we get there from here? And he spoke this scripture to me and I opened it up and I started reading it. And it's the scripture, bring that, put that scripture back up. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. I thought, oh my gosh, that's the same thing I just saw in the movie. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. I thought, oh my gosh, that's the movie I was just watching. It was as though I'd never read this scripture before. God can do that, you know, he just blanks your mind. And it was like I was reading it for the very first time. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Man, you, you, you want Jesus as your pastor? People get all offended when we talk about faith. And, and they say, well, you, you said they didn't have enough faith. Maybe they didn't. If it's true, if it's true about me, I want to know how I can get more. This is not about guilt. This is not about feeling unworthy. It's not about saying, oh, I didn't have enough faith. I feel so bad. Just stop that. That's a waste of time and energy. Let's just talk about how do we get more. We're learning how to walk with Christ like he walked to raise the dead, cleanse the leper, open eyes and ears and see God move. Jesus is trying to teach us how to walk by faith. That's what he's doing with his disciples right here. Remember the time that there was a storm and Jesus is asleep on a pillow in the boat and the disciples are all freaking out and Jesus rebukes the storm and then he turns and says, how come you guys didn't have faith? You could have done it. They're like, what? Yeah, I'm trying to teach you guys how to walk like I walk. So he's trying to elevate their faith. I'm so thankful they ask him this question when it's all said and done. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? I was like, yes! And in my Bible at the time, that question was the end of the page. I was like, oh my gosh, what a page turner. And I'd forgotten the answer. I turned the page, and thank God Jesus answered. And he said, because I am the Son of God and you're not. No. Because it was not my father's will. Is that what he said? But that's what we teach. Because we don't want people to feel bad. And we don't have an answer to some of our mysteries. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? If you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at him. Look what he said. Say it out loud. Because of your unbelief. Now, he wasn't rebuking them. He was trying to train them. Here's the amazing thing. He said, because of your unbelief, and yet, if you read back a few chapters, Matthew 10, he had already given them power over all demons and all kinds of diseases and sicknesses. They had already gone out and healed the sick and cleansed the lepers and cast out demons. They had already been doing this. So what do you mean because of our unbelief? New levels, new devils. 
there are certain obstacles that need a greater measure of faith to move these mountains. Jesus is teaching them here, and he's teaching us here today. I hope you can hear what the Spirit is saying to you this morning and to me. He says, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, now, I've got to teach something here that is so uber important, and I want you to catch this, at least think about it. Because I know you've been taught differently on this. And in many translations teach it this way. And I I just want to present something to you that I truly believe is true. And I want you to consider it. Nowhere in the original text in the Greek does it say, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed. It's not what it says. It says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Now, of course, he's comparing the size as in contrast to a mountain, but he's not talking about the size of their faith. If it's a small, even as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That's not true. Because if that were true, they certainly could have cast the demon out of the boy. Because you know they already had faith because he had already cleansed lepers and raised the dead and cast out demons earlier. I just told you that, right? So what is he saying? If it's not about size, what is he talking about? What do you think he's talking about? The ability to grow. Your faith can grow is what he's saying to them. If you have faith like a seed, plant it in your heart and keep stepping out. And as you do, boys, your faith is going to grow, he's saying to them. Don't worry about it. You've done certain levels, but this is a whole nother level. And just keep at it. Your faith is going to keep growing. That's why he says, however, this kind does not go out by prayer and fasting. In other words, prayer and fasting is the soil, is conditioning the soil, nurturing the soil of our hearts so that when we plant the word of God in it, that has the faith of God resident within it, you plant that seed in the soil of our hearts and we cultivate it and make sure we keep the fear and the doubt and the unbelief out of it and let that seed have good soil to grow in. It will grow up. And then you see in the book of Acts where they're walking like Jesus and doing unusual miracles. You see, we walk by faith every day. You step on an airplane with your kids and you're walking by faith in the pilot and the engineers that built the airplane, the mechanics that are supposed to make sure the airplane's working right. You, you walk by faith when you walk down the aisle and you looked at your spouse and said, I do. And they said, I do choose you over everybody else. You're, you have enough faith in them that you believe they're actually going to keep their commitment to you. You sign contracts. You have faith that they're going to keep up their end of the deal. And like getting on the plane with your kids, you have enough faith to grab your kids' hands and said, and they're scared to death. Mommy, mom, I'm afraid. Oh, you have nothing to be afraid of. Really? They're living on your faith. You and I use faith all the time. You put your money in the stock market. You have enough faith to do that. 
You have faith to drive your car down the San Diego freeways. Your faith says not everybody's going to be an idiot today. You have enough faith to drive on the freeways. It's the same concept. All we're doing is putting our faith in God and His promises. Look what the Scriptures say. Uh, No, we're going to go to Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor of son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do, or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Look at this next scripture. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. I have quite a bit more to teach on today, but I think I've taught enough as a primer to our series on faith. I've got a bunch of stories to tell you of faith adventures that will really inspire you and increase your faith. I've got more to say about the nature of faith and the nature of hope and the God-sized dream that you're believing for this year and how they work together. We're going to look at that next week. I want to talk to you about how faith and the love of God work together. And then the last Sunday of this month, we're going to finish our fast together, and we're going to have a praise testimony Sunday. I believe, I am expecting by faith that God's going to be doing things in your life over the next four Sundays, the next four weeks, that we're going to come back together on the last Sunday where we break our fast together, And we're going to worship, and then we're going to hear your stories of how God has been answering your prayers this month. We're going to dedicate this month to him as a seed so we can see God's hand move in February, in March, in April, in May, in June, in July, in August, September, October, and November, and December. But you've got to make the decision this morning that you're going to draw the line in the sand And you're going to say, I've had it with fear. I've had it with unbelief. I want to put on my spiritual eyes this year. And I want to believe God to do supernatural things in my life. What are you going to believe God for? I want to challenge you to make your goals God-sized goals. Let the size of your God determine the size of your goal this year. Let's come to the Lord together. Right, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I was waiting on the Holy Spirit to see what he might want to do. And here's, here's what came up in my heart to ask you this question. How many of you are dealing with some serious fear 
in an area of your life? Will you just raise your hand? Fear. I'm raising my hand. I have mine. It came right up. Look at this. Hands all over the place. Do you know that Jesus said, fear not, 365 times in the Bible? That's one for every day. Okay, what I want you to do is to say to the Lord that you want him to help you during this fast and during this faith series to replace that fear with biblical faith. Okay? Will you come to, it might happen right now. It could be a supernatural thing. It might be a process. But right now, that area of fear, I'm doing it right now, this area of fear I have about a person in my life I'm believing God for. Bring, come on, Jesus is saying, bring your fear to me. I'll blow that into the sea. Bring your fear to him. Come on, right now. And just confess it. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm fearful in this situation. And you know it. You know my heart. But I'm drawing a line in the sand right now. I'm praying for you, but you pray. I'm drawing a line in the sand right now. And I'm calling this fear what it is. It is not your voice. It is not you. And I'm claiming your promise over this area. Now, what is a promise from the Lord for you in that area? Think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. It could be a scripture. He might speak to you right now. Just ask and say, Father, what do you want to say to me about this area of fear right now? And just let him speak to your heart and your mind right now. How many of you in here have just felt like the Lord actually communicated with you in some way about that area of fear? Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay. He did with me too. And do you know, let me ask you if the same thing happened to you. Well, let me ask you. When you brought that fear to Jesus and you confessed it to him and then you asked him to speak to you about it and he spoke to you, what was the next thing you felt on the inside of your soul? Just say it out loud. Isn't that amazing? Peace. The exact same thing I just felt. See, that's the fruit of faith. Peace. The King of Salem, Prince of Peace. Let's all stand. The good opener on the, on the series of faith, we just took a little baby step. And it's just going to grow. Some of you in here today are going to finally start walking by faith like you've always wanted to, but you didn't understand how. And the Holy Spirit, the teacher, is going to teach us what it means to walk by faith. It'll be so refreshing. Some of you are believing for some big things. I want to encourage you to get a faith partner, a prayer partner, someone who will believe with you, not cry in your beer with you. Believe with you. (laughs) Who will fast with you. 
say, I'm going to do this 21-day fast, but I need encouragement. I need you to help me. When you think of a hamburger, think about what you're fasting for. And say, What's, what, what do I want more? Right? You'll have a hamburger 21 days. Get a faith partner. Get a fasting partner. Get a prayer partner. Josh, can you lead us in just one one song of worship? Let's bring our hearts to the Lord. Let's dedicate ourselves to Him this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never The sun comes up, it's a new day dawn. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass, whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes. Your rich in love and your soul. 